Hey, Brian. Hey, Jenna. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Good. You surviving? I am <laughs> taking deep breaths. Deep breaths. Um, how are you feeling? You just turned in a big project. I did, and it's Friday. Yes. Yes. So, and the sun is finally out. It's been cloudy all week. Yeah. So I'm grateful that it's Friday. I'm grateful that the sun is out, and I think. It's going to be a great day, and plus tomorrow is Halloween, and it's going to be a full moon, so yes. I, I hope some freaky stuff happens. I'm yes. excited. <laughs> it's actually a blue moon, which blue I moon? learned today means it's not actually going to be blue, but that it's like the second full moon in the same month, which Ooh. is pretty rare. Um, yeah, that's why they say like once in a blue moon, because anyway, yeah. And it's on Halloween, something, yes. something crazy. Hopefully like not bad crazy, but just like... <laughs> Something's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe I'll um, see a ghost. I hope it's a good thing, though. <laughs> I'd, see it, I'd be okay with seeing, like, a friendly ghost, like Casper or something. <laughs> yeah, that'd, be, that'd be fun. <laughs> so, welcome to the Campus, Cat, Campus Catholic, a podcast providing candid discussion on Catholic Christian issues from a college perspective. I'm Jenna Ford, here with my co-host, University Minister Friar Ian Brummer. Shalom. So, who's our saint spotlight this week, Friar Ian? All right, so our Saint Spotlight um, kind of ties in a little bit with our theme, which you'll learn about later. Um, we are looking at San Juan Diego, or Saint Juan Diego. Um, and uh, many of you guys are probably familiar with Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, San Juan Diego was the visionary of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So um, the, the miracle of Guadalupe took place in 1531 in Mexico. Um, so the Spaniards had been colonizing Mexico, um, but uh, not for very long, you know, so like a lot of Mexico um, had not, uh, you know, they had missionaries there, but a lot of Mexico had not converted to uh, the Christian faith and the Catholic Church. Um, but San Juan Diego, um, he, he was, uh, he, um, he had been a catechumen and, and was baptized. Um, and he was, he was a native, he was a, a, an Aztec native, uh, an indigenous person, and, um, and he was just a very simple, humble man, um, and he was going about his business uh, one day, and he was uh, passing Tepeyac Hill, and he saw this beautiful vision of this woman, like, clothed with the sun, and she called him, like, mi uh, hijito, like, my little son, um, and she's just very motherly, very tender, um, and she, she even appeared to him uh, looking like, you know, an indigenous person, like an Aztec woman. Um, and uh, she told him to, you know, go tell the bishop that uh, she wants a shrine built in her honor there uh, on that hill. And so he did, and the bishop just kind of laughed him off, like, oh my gosh, like, who's this guy, you know? Um, this poor, you know, little indigenous person. Um, and so... You know, he gets sent away, um, and he, you know, passes by uh, Tepeyac Hill again. Um, at, at one point during his journeys, because um, he made a couple of, of passages, um, he actually kind of went around the hill so that he wouldn't encounter the woman. Uh, and, uh, but she still saw him on the opposite side of the hill. Um, she's like, where are you going? Um, and... Uh, and at another point, you know, like his uncle was really ill and so he wanted to go um, tend to him. And she says, you know, your uncle will be fine. Like he'll be healed. Um, please, you know, go back to the bishop and, uh, you know, give him this sign because the bishop had wanted a sign. Um, and so it was the winter, right? It was December, December 12th. Um, and of course, roses don't really grow in the winter, not even, you know, down there in uh, Mexico. And um, so, and they were Castilian roses. She like gathered up these roses from the hill and she put them in his tilma, which was like this outer garment made of cactus fiber. And uh, she's like, take these to the bishop. This will be a, a sign. And so he gets to the bishop and like the bishop's guards were like, hey, what's in your, what's in your cloak, right? What's in your tilma? And so he drops the, the tilma and lets the roses fall out. And like, you would think that the roses themselves are um, a miracle enough as it is, uh, but actually on his tilma was, as we know, the image of Our Lady right, right there on um, his garment. 
and that very same tilma is uh, still in existence um, and is enshrined in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. And you can see it with your very own eyes and there's lots of symbols and lots of um, miracles and meanings behind everything on there. Um, but, you know, we really wanted to bring up uh, San Juan Diego, you know, usually he gets brought up in Our Lady of Guadalupe um, are really big in December, right? Because December 12th is Our Lady of Guadalupe's day. Um, but we wanted to bring him up today because his story kind of ties in with our theme of like enculturation and that, you know, God speaks to us, um, you know, in, in ways that we, you know, can understand. He speaks to us in our cultures and the Holy Spirit, you know, is not limited, right? And so Our Lady came to him in a, in a form that was familiar to him and the signs and symbols that were on the tilma and the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe would have been familiar to the indigenous people, the Aztecs, and they could have made that connection between, you know, symbols that they were familiar with and the Christian faith that was being introduced to them. Um, and so we just think that this, um, the way that our faith and our religion and, uh, and the Holy Spirit um, kind of seeps through um, our experiences and in our culture um, is really, uh, just very significant for what we are talking about today. So Jenna, what is our theme? Today we're talking about what's up with Dias de los Muertos. So super excited to talk about that. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're gonna dive into it a little bit more, but it is traditionally a Hispanic and Latino holiday, right? Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, our guest today will kind of explain exactly um, you know, what it is and how it ties into our Christian faith and All Souls Day, uh, which we'll be celebrating in a couple of days on November 2nd. Um, and our guest today, we're really excited. Uh, normally we have a student, but today we have um, somebody who is a campus minister right now, and he was actually the former campus minister of our ministry here at St. Joseph University Parish. Um, his name is Friar Mario. And he served here at St. Joe's for two years, um, just before I came on board, actually. And uh, right now, he is the campus minister at uh, the Catholic campus minister at the University of Texas in El Paso, so UTEP, as they call it. Uh, and he's living in El Paso right now. And I used to live with him, in fact, in San Antonio for a couple of years, off and on. And he's just a wonderful friar, a great guy to live with, and so knowledgeable and so fun. And we really just hope that you enjoy our conversation with him. This has definitely been one of my most favorite interviews so far, I think. We just talked about so many great things. So I hope you all enjoy what we have to say. And be sure to check out our interview with Friar Mario. Hello. 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 <laughs> okay. wow. Hey, how's it Hi, going? Friend, I'm here you? just just trying to get this connected. <laughs> Great. So I think we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, hopefully everybody can be heard. We're doing this a little different. There's a little more distance in the office. We're doing some <laughs> And we're with Mario, prior Mario, all the way in El Paso, Texas. Yeah. You're our first, like, I guess every week we have a guest, but you're like our first real guest that <laughs> um, doesn't go to Indiana State or St. Mary's or Rose Holman. So welcome. Thank you. I guess it's part of the double digits, right? Now you're on double digit episode 10. Isn't yes, it? episode 10. We are on episode 10. I, I'm really excited. I'm very proud of our podcast. I don't know. Um, awesome. Yeah, so I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Great. Great. So uh, this week we are talking about um, Via los Mortos. And um, it's, I don't know, I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, I think it's becoming a lot more popular across the nation. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it was popular in Texas where, where I grew up, especially San Antonio, but even here in like Indiana, like you see some stuff in the Kroger's and in the Dollar Generals and whatnot. So 
Um, so I think people are becoming a little bit more aware of it, um, but I don't think people actually know what it's all about and what it is. So can you just start off by telling us what is Dia de los Muertos? Sure, I think that that is basically I'll do it by translating, right, is, is the Day of the Dead. And within the church, we know it as All Souls Day. And one thing we have to recognize that is our church, you know, we're, we're a universal church. So there's different ways that we celebrate, you know, mass in different sections of the world. And All Souls Day or Dia de los Muertos is, is, is what's how, I guess, how it's celebrated within, within the Mexican, Mexican-American um, culture. And it's very much a day of recognizing loved ones who have passed. And we do that through um, vibrant colors and with signs and symbols, which is also part of our church, right? It's full of signs and symbols. And so a lot of those things um, that are maybe gathered together in memory of a loved one who's passed is things that remind us of them, maybe their favorite foods, their favorite colors, their favorite um, flower, or, or even just things that they're essential things that, that within the tradition um, we, we put on the altar. It'd be like a little altar, right? Little niche. And within that is um, a time to, to remember. And I guess traditionally it's a, a, a time where culturally we'd say is, is like our loved ones come to meet us, right? And I just recently saw a TikTok that I'll share. And I, I, I thought it was <laughs> kind of comical because they said, you know, only us Mexicans would think that food and someone's favorite beverage would have them come back from the dead, right? But <laughs> it's, 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 it's saying that how, we're, we're, that's very much who we are, right? Is, is our food and, and, and what we drink, it, it's, it's, it's part, of, part of our living, but also that our loved ones who have gone, you know, really perhaps long for that meal as well. So it's very Eucharistic in that sense, right? Is this, this sharing once again, with our loved ones who have passed, um, who live in the resurrection, sharing with them the meals that they loved at that time of year, right? November 2nd, and which is coming up. Great, wow, so cool. Learning so much already. So why is this holiday important to you and how do you personally celebrate it? Yeah, uh, my earliest memory of celebrating this was actually through traveling from New Mexico into Mexico Juarez, which is the border town of El Paso. And I never met my grandmother, but um, I would visit every November with all my family. I remember we'd go and visit her, her, her where she was buried, right? The cemetery and her tombstone was decorated. And we were always sharing a meal together at that moment. And, and for me, although I didn't ever meet her, the stories that were often shared about her at that moment um, give me a memory of a grandmother I never met, right? And I think that, I think two years ago, I would say definitely is that this moment or this, this, this event, the Dia de los Muertos became something very powerful and more meaningful within my life after my mother passed away because it's a way of honoring her, of remembering her and holding tied to those memories of, of, of my mother, right? The one that gave me birth and of sharing, I think her favorite meal, you know, making enchiladas, green chicken enchiladas, along with, you know, putting a Coke bottle on her little altar and then eventually enjoying it myself, right? And so like those, those moments of really, I think, grieving, because I would say that, the, that part of the culture expression that I think many don't kind of look at is that it's really a process of grieving, is that we all grieve in different ways. And within our church, we have the tradition of, 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 of um, having a funeral service, right? The, the mass of resurrection. And so it's kind of continuing that, that moment of, of grieving. And I think most importantly of what's said within a funeral mass is that, that life has not ended with death, right? But has only changed. And I think it's a reminder of me, especially that day of, of saying that my mom is now part of the communion of saints who we celebrate 
you know, and we celebrate like today is the feast of St. Jude and Simon, but like there's all these other little saints that Pope Francis talks about within his um, rejoice and be glad. And he talks about like the neighbor who was a saint, right? The church doesn't recognize her or him, but we can recognize those who really have been models of gospel living within our own life. And I think that's the special day that we can do it is on Dia de los Muertos on November 2nd. And so I think I celebrate it because I'm Catholic. I celebrate it because I'm Mexican-American and I celebrate it because I have loved ones who have died. And I think it's a moment that, especially this year, 200,000 plus, you know, COVID deaths that we've had. It's a beautiful way, I think, to remember them and also share the, those mom that moment of grief of all those families, you know, is like I myself and on my altar this year will definitely put, you know, kind of just the number of probably total deaths because I don't know, we don't know all their names, but I think that just looking at those who have died this, this year that, you know, can be put up there, you know, John Lewis reminding us to get into some good trouble and, and just those who maybe have died this year or whose, whose death we hold dear to our hearts. I think it's a moment to kind of lift them up at this, on this day. Absolutely. You talk a lot about Friar Mario, about um, the altar that you use to celebrate Dia de los Muertos. And I was just wondering if you could maybe give our listeners a little bit of a better idea, because I have a feeling a lot of our listeners might associate that with like the altar of church. And I just think they might need just a little bit more of an explanation there. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, one thing that, and it's anything like, you don't need anything special on the altar, but I definitely put, again, there's signs and symbols that, that get put on there. Is I have a photo of my mother. The last photo that, that actually we have of her is, is on this kind of niche area within, within my room. And my altar stays up all year. So on, on this, on her death anniversary and on her, on, on Dia de los Muertos, I usually will light a candle and will provide fresh flowers. And so I'll just depict it, right? So it's her photo and then items that I've kind of come along the way or have really, um, they, I see them and they've spoken to me of my mother. And so I put them up there, but definitely her altar will have, they get real sunflowers come November 2nd. But other than that, I have silk flowers that sit there, you know, and that's sitting on there. And then there's a, 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 a candle of Our Lady Guadalupe. There's also um, a bowl of, of water and soap. And so it, it's, um, um, for me, it, it, it's is um, a soap, that, the brand that she used, right? So, so kind of a reminder. And at times even to smell the soap, right? Is a reminder of like, my mom smelled this way, right? Not that I'm gonna name the brand and give a commercial to the <laughs> soap. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey. and, and then there's um and then I have a little bit of salt on a, on a little plate because it's it's is you know that whole sense of taste right again the food of bringing 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 her and she would be disappointed because on here I also have um um like Mexican pastry but it's all fake right now but I do put real one but during the year you know I'm not gonna invite ants and all this other stuff to my room <laughs> <laughs> so so it has this kind of symbols, right? Of food, of seasoning, of water, which reminds us of our baptism, but also of cleansing. And then um, certain things that, that have reminded me of her that might have sunflowers, like a little willow tree angel that has a bouquet of sunflowers. Because my mom loved sunflowers, right? And so anything like that. She also loved the color of turquoise. So then like the cloth that's on the, the, the little niche is a turquoise colored kind of serape. And then, so that's just mm -hmm. kind of a cloth. And um, I also have within a basket of like a kind of closing, like a treasure chest little thing. I have all the letters that she and I wrote. And I think that's something that she, that I have that, that none of my other siblings have because they all lived close. And so while I was in formation with the friars, I would write to her and she would write to me. And so that kind of, I think it, it also taught me a greater appreciation of scripture, right? Of, of what eventually got written down. The, 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 also the great appreciation of the early friars that wrote about St. Francis. And so having these tangible things 
from my mother is is what's there and on the day say october 1st whenever she died and november 2nd which is real close to each other are days that i will open up the the kind of treasure chest little container that i have all the letters in and we'll go through some right and i think that one of them is like saying i'm proud of you son you know i i, I love you and 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 you know your mom your crazy mom gloria right and i think for me it's just mm -hmm. moments like that that i will, will laugh but also then kind of it tugs my heart and along with those items I have in there and not like people have to have all this right is that I have a the, her, the, the shirt that she wore the last day that she died the day that she died right and so I just little things like my mother she was an advocate for education for for us for my family and everything so she eventually you know was someone who um fought, fell in love dropped out of high school you know and 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 um got married later on had children and everything but she knew that she lost the opportunity of education so she pushed that on us and eventually my mom did like did her GED and then went to college right so I have her college ID although she didn't finish college because she passed away but for me it's a reminder of something that she valued within our lives and promoted and she herself eventually you know, went off to college for a couple of semesters. And so those kinds of things that remind me of her, but then are, I'm able to speak to you about it, right? And I think those are things that anyone who might hold something as valuable of, of a loved one who's passed is gathering those items into one kind of central area and to offer that space for them, recognizing that they hold us, you know, a space within our own hearts as well. Yeah, long answer, sentence. sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that was that was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I really love, you know, how you mentioned um, that it, it 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 brings back those people, you know. It's um and and how you touched on um, uh, the the communion of the saints, you know, like this is very much part of our faith, and that those who have gone before us are still with us. And in the memories, they come alive. They're, they're closer to us as we remember. Um, I think a lot of our listeners probably have seen the movie Coco. So they, you know, the whole notion of remember me and the importance of remembering um, those who have died and, and keeping their memory alive because it keeps them alive in our hearts. Um, and uh, you already spoke a lot about um, how, uh, how Dia de los Muertos ties into our faith um, and, uh, and Catholic teaching, um, especially about, you know, the resurrection. Um, I don't know if there was something more you wanted to add to that, but I also uh, have a few questions just about certain specific symbols of the day. Sure, um, sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, the specific symbols you wanted to, and that's why I didn't go through all of them, right? Yeah. I, in my head, I was imagining the altar but i think that there are you know as we were saying there's specific symbols of the altar that are traditionally put on on an altar for for a loved one right and it's like the sugar skulls again of reminding us right. that 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 as saint francis right <laughs> we're franciscans so we're going to talk about him um he he befriended death right and so like the sweetness that there's a sweetness within death because it takes us to our home you know, it's, it's like, and that's what at times mm -hmm. we as Catholics should remind ourselves that, that, you know, hey, we're on a journey somewhere. And that journey eventually, yeah, has us leaving this earth, this earthly world, this world, but, um, but it's somewhere else, right, within this great embrace of love. And that's where I would say is that, that for me, it's a reminder of where I'm going, because my mother's already there, right. And I've had other people um, kind of die in my family. And one of them was my uncle too. And that was the, when we were, he was getting ready to, to, to and I think that's the, the beautiful thing is that I've been able to witness people at the moment of death, actually Jared's daughter, right? Um, um, I witnessed her be born. And, and my uncle, I, and along with my mother, I witnessed her die and him die. But he was very much um, aware at the moment that he was dying and I told him, tell my mother I love her. 
and embrace her, right? And his yes with his body, like was like, yes, I'm going to go and greet her. I'm, I'm, I will embrace her for her. And, and, you know, kind of like for me, it was like just a very tangible moment of, of, um, of our, our faith, of believing in the resurrection, right? And so that like those skulls are usually in, in the sense of like sugar skulls, are to remind us of those moments of like that death is 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 kind of an our our port of entry right to to it and then there's the the um flowers like the bright stenchy flowers i forget the <laughs> the, the, the marigolds right is the the simbasuchi i think it is, is what they call it in in the native but it's like they are used for for like the smell they smell and not, not too good i guess it's a pungent smell but it's a reminder again that 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 death at times can stink right <laughs> and, and it, it comes in in awkward moments with that reality of, of of also the beauty of it too you know within a flower and so things like that and then like the bread the altar of the bread is is, is just you know like very much eucharistic as i said before and so those are like called ofrendas right offerings and you know usually like La Catrina, which is like um, the skulls, like with bodies expressing the different, maybe if they were a musician or things like that. My mom loved music. Mm -hmm. So I have like, I have, um, I have like a guitar there, like a little, not a little, like a big guitar, but it's a little toy guitar that's there that I eventually found and, and I put it there. And then there's, um, you know, papel picado, which is also like, like, like decorative paper that, that just, imagine the symbols but also the delicacy of them and i think it's just a reminder of the delicacy of also life right is life is fragile and and yeah. and the world shapes and forms us uh, as well as our faith and so i think that's what you know are some of the symbols used within the altar is i'm also still reflecting on mine the one that i have there but i don't know if there's any other that you might think of that yeah, those were some of the major ones yeah. I think of, like the papel picado and the, the marigolds and the, the calaveras, the sugar skulls, mm -hmm. you know, those are some of the, the big ones, right? And they, they do have power symbol, powerful meanings, like, you know, the fragility of life and the sweetness mm -hmm. of death and that, you know, death is, is beautiful but painful and it kind of stinks and, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so kind of tying into, um, we talked about a little bit about, like, faith and how, you know, this is, it is a lot of Catholics do celebrate Dia de los Muertos. Um, but how does this holiday specifically bring you closer to God? Where have you seen God in celebrating this? I think it brings me closer to God because, you know, God is, 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 is mystery, but God is love. Right. And, and part of that love, I think that for me is, is the growing of my own spirituality is that one of the things that, that I guess that this, this, I think the experience of, of death, but also of Dia de los Muertos has brought me, I would say more of a feminine attribute to God, right? I saw God as father for a long time. And now that my mother is, is part of the body of Christ, um, I at times see God as mother, right? As, as the one who is consoling, the one who is, who is, you know, kind of not that they're only feminine attributes, but many times we see them as feminine attributes. So I think that's where the um, Dia de los Muertos has really gotten that kind of to me is, is it's gotten me more of a, I would say, into a broader understanding of God or a, a more complete sense of who God is within my life, within our lives, and what it means to be part of the body of Christ, right? At Mass, when we celebrate mass, we call upon and say, we're going to join in singing holy, holy, holy with, um, with, um, with all the saints, right? And all the angels, powers, and dominions. And that's literally having all of them come into the space that we're in worshiping. And I know that in your previous podcast, you talked about how Anita gets like worked up, right? Like, like during the gospel. And I loved it. I loved when I would celebrate mass there in Terre Haute and just to see her. And cause for her, again, it was that faith and that understanding, right? Is like here we are, we're, we are proclaiming the gospel that it is a living word and it's connecting us to our loved ones, but also connecting us to the resurrection, 
and so that excitement and that and I think for me is has been something within Dia de los Muertos is is really a reminder of of that and and who I am, who I'm called to be, and and that as John says it right, we're we're children, we're children of God, and what we are yet to become, you know, is is we'll discover once we're in that embrace, right? That's me in my own paraphrase, but but saying we're children of God and and where we're going is 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 to this glorious place, right? And so it's just a reminder that I do have people that I know that are there, right? Part of that moment, part of that um, resurrection. And I think that's what keeps me getting closer to God is that there's others who are ahead of me on this journey. Uh, and, you know, that kind of ties in with this next question mm -hmm. and some of the other things that you kind of mentioned about, um, you know, those who have gone ahead of us. So uh, what do you think that Dia uh, dos Muertos can teach us about death and loss? One of the things that I think it can teach us, is, especially we have the privilege to say if you ever are in San Antonio during um, Dia de los Muertos or in the Southwest and able to walk around, say, a cemetery or even at times, even like a shopping center, right? And they have all these different altars or, or universities in the Southwest. They have all these different altars. And I think all of them look very different. And I think that's what Dia de los Muertos can teach us is that that we experience death and loss very differently, each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And so our grieving, how we express that also comes about very different, right? And how we we express it. And I would say that Dia de los Muertos is, is going back to, I think, the Catholic faith in general, is that it's a popular religiosity. And so it, it's, it's, it's basically a way that the that the faith is celebrated in a particular area. And so recognizing that, that the way that, that, that a certain area within our church perhaps celebrates death and resurrection might not be the way that others celebrate it. And so it brings about this richness of diversity. And again, I think that's one, mm -hmm. one thing within my class that I once took in, in grad school was culture and religion is, and it was kind of, put on us, hammered on us, not hammered, but it was kind of like the whole sense of, of to be one does not mean uniformity, right? And so it's, it's unity, right? And uni unity is not uniformity. So at times, I think it, I'm, I would say that that's what it could teach us is that, that, that we all experience death and loss in a very different way. And I think that we have to find ways to express how we're dealing with that death and loss. And I think there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways, right, of doing that. And I would definitely say that this is probably a very healthy way that's come about through um, cultures, right, through through the our ancestors, indigenous ancestors, but also then with the enculturation of, of the gospel of, of, you know, and how that came about of honoring, you know, those who have gone and putting a place within within our own story, right? The crucifixion is how do we make sense of the crucifixion? I think is how do we make sense of death? And I think that Dia de los Muertos, I guess culturally tries to have us um, deal with that question, right? Is how will we deal with that? Yeah. And, and, and how will we then walk with that reality? Do you find that people who aren't familiar with the holiday, do you find that they're surprised at the approach of, I just feel like it's a very, mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful approach, but I think to someone who's not familiar with it, it might be a little bit candid of like seeing skulls <laughs> and talking about death. Uh, do Are people surprised in your experience? Yeah, my sister-in-law too, right? I, I would say this is family too, right? It's just the reality of whenever we, like one of the first traditions that I, or that I, when I went back for my mom's death anniversary, I said, let's let's put together an altar for her. And I had brought like sugar skulls and everything. It's just the accessibility too, right? And then she's like, what the hell? You know, I was kind of like, what's going on, right? <laughs> like for her, it was something very different. And I think that's where um, the secular secularization maybe of, of these holy days, because I was reading this morning that St. Jude and St. Simon are kind of like the, 
the port of entry to these days that we prepare to celebrate, you know, all saints and all souls, because they're the last two, you know, within the liturgical year that we celebrate. I didn't, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? They're the last two. Yeah, me neither. And me neither. But they're the last two, two apostles that we celebrate. And then we have, you know, what we call Halloween, but it's All Holies Eve, right? Is, is day, day November 1st and then all souls. So those two days we're celebrating, we're celebrating what happened after Jesus became Jesus Christ, right? I think that the explosion, the reality of the resurrection that it involves all those who have lived, you know, and have been declared saints or not declared saints, and then all souls who are on the journey, right? On the journey to become part of the body of Christ. And so it was kind of uh, um, interesting because I was like, oh, wow, you know, I, I hadn't realized that until recently too. I was kind of reading this commentary and, and looking at how we're setting up through to the end of the liturgical year, right? That's happening. Christ the King, you know, is, the, the, is basically the, again, declaring King a victory over death. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of that movement that happens. But nature also, right? And I'm going through something else. I think I'm going beyond that. But nature teaches us <laughs> as time begins to fade, right? These these subtle changes within within nature too. You know, everything's drying up. Everything's dying, right? We would say, oh, fall has gotten here. Oh, look at fall. All these fall colors are beautiful. Here in El Paso, we don't see them, but you're seeing them over there. I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. Yeah. I'm like, wow. You know, I remember just the, the those colors of the leaves. And I think that at times... You see that that's that that's a season of dying, but we we see that in yeah. in the nature we see it as beautiful, and at times we struggle to see it within our own within our own faith within our own very, life. I heard that. very incarnational. Yeah. And then I forgot your question. I was looking down. Yeah, very, very incarnational, but I forgot your question if I answered it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We were just talking about how, like, how it just seems to be oh. a little bit of a, of a, at least for people yeah, who don't scary, celebrate, scary. it seems a little yeah, bit yeah. of a candid. So I think that yeah. is, in, yeah, the secularization, I would say that that's where I got, like, we're so used to seeing the ghosts and goblins. And I think that at times we associate mm -hmm. um, the skull in regards to that, right? And I think, again, sorry, mm -hmm. St. Francis of Assisi, right? We <laughs> depict him with a skull. Like many statues have him with a skull. I think the one up there that's uh, at St. Joe's has him as a, with a skull next to him. And again, yeah, it's it that, that death is, does not have the final say, right? And I think that's what it is, is, mm -hmm. is we put, when we put these skulls, is it just a representation that, that, that that's not where things end. We know that that is not the end of the story. Sister death. Sister death. Um, so just kind of tying along in that you talked a little bit about how like secularness kind of changes perspective on Dios de los Muertos. Um, so what would your response be to those who kind of see Dios de los Muertos as just a pagan holiday? Do you have a response to that? Um, yeah, I would invite them to come to Mass, right? <laughs> come to Mass on All Souls Day, and then they would realize, like, oh, wow. Especially within, if someone has the opportunity to celebrate, maybe within the Southwest or within a uh, Hispanic community, and if they happen to have and are able to, you know, have felt that they can share their culture within within the church, right? And I think that's the reality that we have to look at, too, is, is that um, you'll see the beauty of it and how it's really a celebration of the body of Christ. And that, yeah, just like anything, right? We can say like, yeah, there, there are maybe what we'd say, um, these kind of glimpse of paganism that you might say, I don't care for that word because I think um, we live in a time where we can recognize that, that the Holy Spirit works in ways before people who are going to go and minister and proclaim the gospel or share the gospel story, before they arrive, the Holy Spirit's already been there. And the Spirit's been working within that culture, within those people. And all these things have come about, right? Is to say that there's something beautiful within, say, our ancestors 
of the past that were able to celebrate death in a way that they knew it connected them to something else, right? That it connected them to Mother Earth and that it connected them to something else, right? It was big S. And at the time, then we could proclaim that, yeah, it connected to Jesus Christ. It, con it connects you to the God of all creation, right? It's saying that it's this, you know, going to sound like Lion King, circle of life, right? Where we, we, we were on our journey there again. And I think that's where looking at that. And then I would probably say like, oh, let's talk about Christmas too, right? If you want to talk about like the other those more yeah. those being a pagan holiday, let's look at Christmas and see how that also has some yeah. pagan influences in there. And we might ask ourselves is like, how does a big fat jolly guy, you know, wearing this sweatpants and sweatshirt proclaim the birth of Christ, you know, and I think that's where we can begin to see how at times things get mixed, you know, within our society, within our culture, and, and it really saying like, well, how can we truly then celebrate what the day is, right, and I think that's where if people can say like, you know, oh, if whatever you're doing is not connecting you to a relationship or the relationship, then I'd say like, let's question that, right? And, and say like, what is it really about? And I think that's what, you know, many times is this, as Dia de los Muertos or any feast can, can really be flipped, right? To say that it really is not connecting me anymore to, to the relationship that I have with God, or is it continually um, kind of renewing my relationship with God and with, with others, right? And I think that's where even within our church, we can go into a whole different topic of how we as church are still kind of relevant, right? And really saying that are our rituals and, and movements really connecting us to the one we want to be connected to, right? Our, the loving God. And so, or, or is it not, you know, so again, again, it's I think a holiday or a day of remembrance. And so the remember, right, is putting back together is, is um, recognizing that mm. we are members of, of one. And I think that's definitely, I think, what the other Los Muertos does. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that is was a beautiful explanation of everything. That great. Right? You know, I hope that, uh, uh, that our listeners get a lot from this because, I mean, I mean, you touched on so many things, you know, theology and and culture and in, uh, enculturation of the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you know, no limitations on the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so, Jenny, what do you got? I just, I, I don't know, I'm a little speechless. I mean, I knew a little bit about I've seen Coco like I had a, a probably a very vague understanding but I just I really appreciate it I think a lot more I just never thinking about the fragility of death and mm. it just seems so poetic and beautiful uh -huh. to me I don't know I've been taking poetry class so maybe that's why but I just I just it seems so beautiful to me I, I just I really enjoyed yes, our thank you today, thank you so. and I think again anyone who maybe is hesitant right or even like my my sister-in-law is like more like what the hell right is like like what is this all about <laughs> i think is is inviting as as one of my professors used to say is is holy curiosity right practicing holy curiosity which is is basically saying like tell me what this means to you right is like in really wanting to seek to understand and and having someone share whatever it is right Whatever it is, if it's they're celebrating the other muertos or even doing something within their life is, is really saying like, why is this important? Or or just tell me, tell me more about this, right? Tell me how does this bring meaning to you? And again, that connecting to to hopefully God and others. And so yeah. Awesome. Well, we do okay. have one final question that we ask all of our guests. Um, and that is, Friar Mario, where have you seen God this week? Oh, that was easy. Actually, was <laughs> I'll make it a short, long, short story, try to. Um, we have a friar <laughs> who's gluten-free, and so he loves Oreo cookies. I'm the grocery shopper. I have to go running. And especially during this pandemic, things have been harder to find, right? And I was already three stores in the midst of a pandemic with the mask, 
so frustrated, so frustrated that I cannot find these cookies. And, you know, brotherly love, right? I knew that if I was going to show up to the house and his cookies weren't going to be there, I might hear about it, would hear about it, have heard about it. But anyways, I was getting out of the last store and, and, and I was frustrated, right? And it might sound like, what? Friar gets frustrated? Friar Mark gets frustrated? <laughs> yeah, when he's running around for cookies. <laughs> but um, as I was walking out, there was a woman who had a sign that was saying, need help to pay rent. And she had her child in her arms and then her younger son sitting on a chair next to her, right? And at that moment, it was God telling me, get out of your little world of being upset mm. with Oreo cookies and look at what people need, right? It's like, yeah. here I am, Christ in need is in front of you and do something about it, right? And so it was, it was there. I saw the Trinity, right? God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these three individuals who needed assistance, right? And so I was able to be, you know, Simon of Serene and say, I don't got much, right? <laughs> I'm a prior, but I don't have to tell her that. I don't have to tell her I'm a prior, but just that that gesture of giving to her at that moment of saying, I, I here's how I can help you, right? And I'll pray for you. And I think that's who, you know, that's where I've seen God um, this week who's with her. I think especially after I was, I, my mind was already preparing for the Sunday homilies in the evening of loving God and loving your neighbor, right? There's that commandment and saying, how am I expressing that? It's not through frustration, but it's through being generous and recognizing that, you know, going from store to store was another way of, of being generous and not allowing myself to then get into those emotions where kind of negative. But yeah, that's where I encountered God and said, hey, get out of there, come up. <laughs> I love it. Our podcast has definitely shown us that God is everywhere and in everything, and especially when it involves Oreos. That's one of my new favorites <laughs> that we've heard. <laughs> Prior, Ian, where have you seen God this week? Uh, this week, um, actually, kind of similar to Prior Mario, I um, was kind of through children, and anybody who knows me knows that, like, children get on my nerves. <laughs> I, I don't like to be around children. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I just parked the car um, and, uh, and I, I saw this family coming out of this, this restaurant and, um, and it was just like this older brother and little sister. The brother was probably like, I don't know, seven, maybe eight. Um, the little sister was, you know, like three or four, but he was just like, he was just delighting in her, like playing with her and like took her by the hand and stuff like that. And it was just like this, this care, this sibling care and affection for, you know, his little sister. And I was just like, man, that's just what the world needs, you know? <laughs> um, a care for, it's just a real tenderness. And I, and I just saw God in them. And kind of similarly, you know, the next day at Mass, um, during the readings, right? You mentioned the readings about like love of God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And I, I sit in the very back so I can see like the backs of everyone. I could see couples, like um, some of them were, you know, just dating couples and some of them were married couples, but they were, they were like putting their arms around each other and, and just, or holding hands and, and just hearing the readings about, you know, loving one another. Right now, obviously, you know, we can't really that's one another and stuff like that. Married couples and, and dating couples is a different story, but um, but just that that human tenderness, right? Um, and uh, and kind of that incarnationality of you know God, um, you know, being made manifest in in, in our human experience. Mm -hmm. So Jenna, where have you seen God? It's a great question, Brian. Um, so. I had a loved one pass away a couple weeks ago. And so I think I really saw God today in this conversation um, and in the people that have reached out to me and in my family. Um, it's just, death is hard, loss is hard, um, but it's just, it's a, just a good reminder to know that it's not a malevolent evil thing. It's meant for 
higher purpose and it's meant for good. And I think that um, our conversation we had today just really showed me that there is beauty in loss. And even though there is suffering that um, we need to lean on the good that's in it. So I'm very appreciative of our conversation today. It was it was soul food, I think. So. May I ask who it, <laughs> it was, was or their name and connection to you? Yeah, um, my grandfather passed away about two weeks ago. His name was um, Wendell Ford, so. Wendell Ford? Yeah. Well, that, that's the beauty, mm -hmm. right? Is I often tell people is like, now you have someone you can not only pray for, but pray to. So Wendell Ford, hear our prayer. Absolutely, thank you so much. So Friar Mario, thank you so much for all your wisdom, all your stories, and for just, just sharing. So you shared so much today and I loved everything that you shared. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day all the way from Texas phoning in with us we're so thank you very much i'm glad to i joked around with ian a couple of weeks ago i think i said hey when am i going to be part of this podcast so <laughs> i got what i asked <laughs> yes we finally got you on and we it was great it's been one of my favorite episodes i think so um to all our listeners out there um just know that if you are struggling with loss or if you're grieving at this time that we are praying for you and we just encourage you to step out, step out of your comfort zone and maybe experience something new. If this is, if this is new to you and you want to learn more, I'm sure um, there's so much research out there, so many things that you can view and watch and just learn um, and maybe see how, maybe it'll benefit your faith and your faith life. So we just encourage you all um, just to step outside your comfort zone, see where it'll take you. Maybe it'll lead you to God. Usually it does. So um yeah, just know that we're praying for you and that um, we hope that you're just having a great week. Yeah, and with that, uh, I got a fellow Franciscan with me this time. So, Jeez, as we Franciscans say, yeah. peace and all good. <laughs>